We sing about the Lord Jesus being our friend. We sing about him being holy, holy, holy. And it's the truth. And what a blessing to be able to come together and, and express our admiration, express our praise. And it's good for us to do that. You know, one one time a, a wife told her husband, just kind of complaining, that he didn't tell her that he loved her. He said, well, I told you when we got married. And if anything changes, I'll let you know. Now, that's that's the way some of us that's the way some of us operate with the Lord. We need to let him know. And when we when we consider that what he's done for us has made us friends of God, friends of this holy God that we're singing about, that we're gonna see, we're gonna be in his presence, we're his friends, then we need to treat him like that friend that he is. So let's pause just for a moment before we turn to the Gospel of Mark, and uh, and just let him know uh, how much we appreciate all that he's done for us, even the forgiveness of our sins. Let's let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that in Christ, you have made each of us who have put our trust in him your friends, giving us the right, the privilege of singing these songs to you and of looking forward to a time in eternity for eternity, that we will sing to you and and serve you and and honor you and be in your presence. So, Father, we want to pause and just confess to you silently now any sins that we haven't confessed to you. Not bringing up old things, but confessing to you sins that we haven't confessed to you. As your word tells us, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just. You'll forgive us our sins and cleanse us, purify us from all unrighteousness. We thank you for this great privilege of being able to do that. Father, we thank you that we don't have to come here to do that. In fact, that you want us to do that wherever we are, whenever we sin. You don't want us to hang on to it. You don't want us to get used to it. You want us to recognize that you have died for us. That you want us to live for you. And when we don't, you want us to get that right. And so we thank you for doing that for us. And we thank you for that thunder that reminds us of how great and powerful you are. Because we know that the one who makes the thunder is greater than the thunder itself. And so we thank you for being the almighty, great, and holy God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love it when God reaffirms what I'm saying. Hopefully it's reaffirmation. Turn with me, would you please, to Matthew chapter 12. No, you're right. Matthew? No, Mark. Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. That's what, see, you all don't realize how you mess me up when you change places. But Matt Mulvane does not belong there, okay? 
I saw him back and said, who is, that looks like Matt Mullman. He's supposed to be over here somewhere. So you messed me up, Matt. Come on, get, get it together. We've been reading over these last few weeks and, and, and looking at the opposition that the Lord Jesus was facing on a regular, intense basis during the last week of his life. Now, he faced it throughout his entire earthly ministry, those three years, but it intensified in that last week. And then last week, after the opposition, after the questioning, it said, no. after he answered so well, nobody dared ask him any more questions. It ended. But now, he's asking a question. So look with me to verse 35. Mark 12, verse 35. While Jesus was teaching in the temple courts, he asked, how is it that the teachers of the law, remember that's a a general group of all the different groups of teachers and leaders in Jerusalem. How is it that the teachers of the law say that the Christ or the Messiah is the son of David. Verse 36. David himself, speaking by the Holy Spirit, declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. How then... Can he be his son? The large crowd listened to him with delight. Now, I don't know if he had thunder accompanying him or not that day, as we do. But let's let the thunder emphasize what Jesus is doing in this amazing episode of his teaching. Now, remember, he's been tested, tested, tested by by the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, all the teachers of the law. Now, he's asking them the question. How is it that the teachers of the law say that the Christ, the Messiah, is the son of David? Well, the reason they said that is because that's what the Old Testament teaches. David, when he rose to be king of Israel when he was anointed king after God rejected Saul. Remember, Saul was the first king after a period of over 400 years of judges where Israel didn't have a king. God was their king. They rejected God as their king. They begged and begged and begged and pleaded for a king. They got Saul. Saul was rejected by God because of his disobedience, because of his arrogance, because of his pride, because of his disobedience. And David was anointed king. David, the most unlikely of people to be anointed king. A small guy, a younger brother, not an an older brother, not the oldest brother. But but a, a poet, a singer, a musician, a killer of giants, and king. And God promised David, when he ascended to the throne... He said, there will always be one of your descendants on the throne, culminating with the Messiah. And that's what the teachers of the law were waiting for. 
And Jesus takes this passage. Now, remember, the passage that Jesus is quoting from is Psalm 110. He didn't didn't go through it that morning. We're not going to go through it this morning. But they knew when he quoted this, again, especially the teachers of the law, a lot of the other Jewish people did too, when he used this statement, he knew that they knew that this was a, a psalm about the son of David, the Messiah who is coming himself. And, and, it's a, and it's a psalm of judgment. It's a psalm that when the Messiah comes, he's going to bring judgment. Now, this is a, a picture of the second coming of the, of the Messiah, of Jesus, when he does come in judgment. And, and remember this. You're going to keep hearing, because it's, it's getting more and more popular, that, that churches like ours, pastors like me, are, are basically telling people, we are worshiping the, the God of the New Testament, not the God of the Old Testament. I want you to know, there's no difference, okay? It's the same God. All right. A lot of a lot of people don't like to talk about the Old Testament because they say it's all full of of judgment and genocide and and all these kind of things. And they're right. There's a lot of judgment in the Old Testament, but they're they're incorrect in in thinking that there isn't a lot of judgment in the New Testament too. Okay. Here Jesus is explaining something very important from a passage which speaks of judgment, and he says the author of the passage is not only David, but did you see who was accompanying him? Did you see who was helping him? Did you see who was speaking through him? The Holy Spirit. And so in this passage, the Lord Jesus is helping us understand the doctrine or the principle of inspiration. The prophets didn't speak on their own. They spoke by the Holy Spirit. The apostles, when Jesus sent them out, didn't speak on their own. They spoke by the power of the Holy Spirit. This word that we're looking at today, the Gospel of Mark, was inspired by the Holy Spirit, breathed out from God by the Holy Spirit so that we have it today. That's the old and the new. That's the prophets of the old. That's the apostles of the new. It's all important because God spoke it. And here Jesus is is reminding them of that. All right, so he's affirming that this word that they that, that they believe is they should believe it. Get that? This is this is better than background music. He's affirming that this is a true statement. Before he gets to to what the statement is, it's true because He's, he's basically saying, I said this. Because he's the one who sent the Holy Spirit to tell David what to say. It's what he does. It's, it's, it's what he did. Now he sends the Holy Spirit to live in us, to enable us to live for him. But in that, in that moment in David's life, the Holy Spirit was writing this. Look with me at, uh, at 1 Peter. I want to just make sure that we understand this. And, and Peter, who was there with Jesus when he was saying this in 1 Peter chapter 1 makes this statement about the the ministry of the prophets and this ministry of David as he writes Psalm 110 look what 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 10 says 
he had just, Peter had just written this amazing statement on, on salvation and on, and on persevering through difficulties and finally coming to our salvation. Verse 10 says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Now, the glories that will follow is is what Psalm 110 is about, part of it. I think it's going to rain now. All right. Look what verse 12 says. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. All right, that's us. The, the, the readers of 1 Peter are, are, are Christians just like us. They were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And then he, and then he makes this great ending statement. Even angels long to look into these things. This is, in other words, this is amazing stuff. What God does through the prophets and through the apostles, because remember, what was happening as, as Peter wrote this, the Holy Spirit was speaking through him to reveal these things. And the, and the other apostles as they preached the gospel. So this, this is amazing stuff. And Jesus is letting the people know and letting us know because of the, the way this word has been preserved for us, letting us know that when David said these things, he was speaking from God and for God. This is the word of God. Yes, it's the word of David, but it's also the word of God. If you don't believe me, ask Jesus. This is what he says about it. All right, now, what did he say about it? What's the point? The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. And the, and the, the judgment of, on those enemies continues on through the rest of the psalm. David himself calls him Lord, then how can he be his son? This is a great statement by the Lord Jesus through this question on the fact that he is both the son of David, a man, a a man with flesh, flesh and bones like us. He is both a man and he is also the son of God, God himself in the flesh. That's what this statement is about. The teachers of the law and Jesus had been saying this throughout his ministry. We've seen this before, not in, not in the same way. The teachers of the law, all of the leaders, were struggling with this. They were rejecting this thought. But Jesus is making it one more time, making the statement one more time, this time by the authority of King David, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and as Peter says, it reminds us, the Spirit of Christ. This was Jesus talking to David say this, that his son, one who's going to be on the throne after him, was God himself, the Lord. The Lord said to my Lord, 
the father said to the son, this is David that Jesus now is upholding as authoritative because he inspired him to say this, telling them what was to come. Did David understand all this completely? No. Peter tells us no. The prophets didn't understand it all completely. They didn't know exactly how all this was going to work out, but they knew it was true and they knew it was going to come. Well, it's here now. And Jesus is saying, I am fulfilling what David said that day when he said, the Lord said to my Lord, I am the Lord. I am the my Lord David is talking about. I am the son of David that's been promised. I am him and I'm also God. You should believe what I'm telling you. And some of the people said, wow. He said, they listened to him with delight. With delight. I hope you're listening with delight this morning. Because this is what he says. This is who he is. This is him making another announcement about his person, who he is, and why they should pay attention to him. Why they should not miss out on this opportunity to embrace him. He's the one that they've been waiting on. He's the one that all the prophets have been telling our have been telling them throughout their their history, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Jesus is saying, I'm here right now. Come to me. Put your trust in me. Don't trust in the law. The law wasn't given to you to trust in. The law was given to you to put your trust in me because I can do it, you can't. And what I'm going to do for you, no one else could do. Remember where he's on his way to. The cross. That's happening later this week. He's telling them, pay attention to what's about to happen. Pay attention to what they've been doing to me. It's going to get worse. The rumors that you've been hearing that they're trying to kill me, it's going to happen. Pay attention to my death. Pay attention to what happens after my death. I'll be back. Now, he was telling his disciples this over and over and over again. It wasn't registering. Again, even though they believed in him, even though they believed the Old Testament, even though they they knew all these things were going to happen, They couldn't put it together. But when he rose again, the apostles, and not only the apostles, many others who heard his word, like this word that we're looking at today, the light went on and he said, oh, that's what he was talking about. Well, thankfully, he's still talking about it today. That's why he gave us this book. That's why we get to to study and go through the Gospel of Mark and all the other Gospels and all the other epistles and all the prophets and all the history and all the different letters that are, that are given. We get this because he's still speaking the same thing to us today. And so just as, as, as he was bringing some of them to a point of decision, identifying himself with God himself and the son of David, 
helping them to see that he is the unique son of God, fully man, fully God. We also have to come to grips with that truth. For some people, they say, that, that's just too much. I can't believe that. You, you must believe that. You must believe that. Look at what the scripture says. These words were given by, by God himself to these prophets like David, to these apostles like Peter, who also shared that message, as, as did the apostle Paul with Mark so that we would be able to put it together and believe. Don't give up because it's difficult. Don't say this is too much for me. No, it's not too much for you. Look at what he says. Look at what Jesus is saying here this morning. And remember, this time it wasn't even out of it wasn't even somebody else's idea to bring up the question. He's bringing it up. This is what he wanted to talk about. Now, he always was able to talk about what he wanted to talk about anyway, no matter what the questions were. But this time, he brings it up to begin with. I want you to know who I am. And even though there are are people that are going to be telling you I'm not him, I want you to hear, David said I am. Listen to what the Holy Spirit said through David. Trust the word of God. Trust the word of God. Jesus is saying that loud and clear this morning. Trust the word of God. And particularly, trust the word of God as it explains who Jesus is. That is its biggest job. Its most important purpose is to help us understand who Jesus is. And he is the amazing only, one and only Son of God, who can be fully man and fully God. When he died on the cross, he died a physical death. He felt pain. He bled. He died. And while he was doing that physically, spiritually, he was doing that for all of us. He's the one who did everything right. We're the ones who tried that, and we failed in it miserably even before we started trying. He was able to take upon himself our sins, all of them, including the ones that we just confessed and the ones that we'll have to confess again tomorrow. He's the one who took all of those sins and accepted them from for us. So that when he died, our sins were taken care of. They were forgiven. Only he could do that. Only the one that David said, the Lord said to my Lord. Only him. He's the only one who could do this. And so what was about to happen was only possible. Oh, lots of people got crucified. That was a a regular occurrence in the Roman Empire. Lots of people got crucified. We're only talking about one crucifixion. We're only talking about one special crucifixion. And what makes it special is the person who is crucified. Fully man, fully God. David told us about this a long time ago. Pay attention. Well, Jesus told us about this a long time ago. Pay attention today. Let's bow together for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, 
Or as David put it, our Lord. Help us to mean that when we say it. Help us to remember that Lord isn't your last name, it isn't your nickname. It's who you are. The master of this universe. The master of all creation. The master of the angels who long to look into the things that we're talking about this morning because they're so amazing and they have such an impact transforming us from a rebellious, immature enemies of God to your friends all through this unique, amazing son of David, son of God, the Lord himself. And so we praise you, Heavenly Father, for doing this, for putting this together in the wisdom of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, putting this plan of salvation together and then executing it perfectly, even through the pain of the cross, even through the curse, the shame of the cross, that you did it all, that we might be forgiven and bring you the glory that you deserve for all eternity. What a privilege, Father. We are so thankful this morning. And Father, we pray for any who are here this morning who haven't yet embraced this truth of who Jesus is. Help them to see it, Father. Help them to see it through your word. Help them to see it through our own testimony to them. Help them to put their trust in the only one who deserves their trust. Not a politician, not a bank account, not a reputation, not talent, not giftedness. The only one that's worthy of our eternal worship is this one who's both God and man, our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.